Acts of the Apostles, chapter 12, verses 1 to 17. Acts 12, verses 1 to 17. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping with two chains, and sentries stood guard. Sorry, Peter was sleeping with, between two soldiers bound with two chains. And sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and the light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you, you and follow me, the angel told him. Peter followed him out of the prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. Verse 10. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. And they went, they went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, now, now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer outer entrance, and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it, and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You are out of your mind, they told her. When she, when she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. Peter motioned with his hand to, for them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said. And then he left for another place. We are declaring this morning that may every prison door be open. Every prison door, every chain we are declaring in the name that is above every other name that every chain will fall off. We declare victory in every circumstance. 
The next voice you're going to hear will be Reverend Apostle Jude. Now let's turn to prayer. Shall we please bow down our heads in prayer? Our Father God, we thank you. You love us. We recall your goodness and your love. Many people have come to encounter Jesus in this auditorium over the years. 50 years and counting. Today, you are still calling people to yourself. Will you not today also? Call some souls to yourself and establish some of the believers here more deeply and soundly in the love of Jesus. May you cause some to break forth and thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy upon their lives. And may we together as a people of God celebrate Jesus and his goodness. Thank you, Lord, that your word says where two or three are gathered in your name, you are present with us. Darkness and light cannot coexist. Therefore, I, a servant of Jesus of Nazareth, I demand that every unclean spirit, every power of darkness assigned to this church service and assigned to the preaching of the word in this service, leave this place now. Pack, pack and baggage. I hand them over to you, Lord Jesus, that you will discipline them. You will, you will leave them out of this place. Instead, Father, I pray that you will release your companies of holy angels to minister the grace of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit unto us. May the angels sit by us, one by one, and may grace, God's good grace, drop on every single person this hour. And so may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Friends, I'm grateful for the privilege to share God's holy word with us this morning. The theme I have been given is prayer the way the early church saw it. Prayer the way the early church saw it. We want to focus our discussion on our church should be effective in intercessory prayer. What is on hand here what is of serious matter and consideration for us is that we should be effective in intercessory prayer as individual Christians and as a church. should be effective in intercessory prayer. Then turn to the person next to you. God wants you and tell him or her. God wants you to be effective in personal intercessory prayer. Tell, tell him. What was his response to you? What was her response to you? Please turn with me to Acts chapter 12, verses 1 to 5. Our theme is prayer the way the early church saw it. Our focus is our church should be effective in 
intercessory prayer. Our concern is that we should be effective in intercessory prayer as individual Christians and as a church. My sermon text is taken from Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. Peter was put in prison and earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Peter was put in prison and earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. So we will discuss this subject under the following sub-themes. Number one, a church in crisis turns to prayer. Number two, how the Lord brought Peter out of the prison. How the Lord intervened in the crisis involving Peter. Number three, Peter gives testimony of his experience of divine intervention to the believers, the praying church. First then, a church in crisis turns to prayer. Please come with me into the Acts of Apostles chapter 12. We will be reading at verse 1 through to 5. About this time, about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of the unleavened bread. And when he had seized Peter, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four scores of soldiers to guard him. Intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Amen. Friends, our story today of Peter's experience, Peter's arrest, an experience of prison, hardship, difficulty, persecution, has to be set in context. In verse 1, we are told the apostle James was arrested and killed. The apostle James would be the first among the 11, nay, 12 apostles to die as a martyr. And it was Herod the king, King Agrippa the first, who began to severely persecute some believers who belonged to the church. He is King Agrippa the first, the grandson of Herod the Great, and nephew of Herod Antipas, the Herod Antipas who beheaded John the Baptist. What a tradition, a family tradition of enmity and evil against the prophets and the people of God, the anointed men of God. It is not an attractive family history. So James was picked up and killed. Next, Peter is arrested. 
and put in prison. Mind you, this is not Peter's first prison experience. In Acts chapter 4 and verse 3, we read, Acts 4 and verse 3, And they arrested them. That means, let me pick it up earlier. As they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple, where they were speaking and preaching the good news, and the Sadducees came upon them, Peter and the others, greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse 3. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. Beginning from Acts 1, this was the first baptism of fire for Peter. Next prison experience for Peter. Next Acts 5. Verse 17 to 20. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. Verse 19. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words. Of this life. Of their life. Of eternal life. Amen. But this third arrest and prison experience recorded in Acts chapter 12 is different. Hello? This third arrest and experience of Peter's is different. You see, brothers and sisters, there are three closest pals. Three closest pals who are the inner circle. Of Jesus. Peter, James, and what? And John. Peter's close pal, James, has been picked up and killed by Herod. And now Herod comes to pick up Peter as well, to pick him up. And this was during the great religious Passover festival of the Jews. Can you imagine it? How will Peter feel? How will Peter feel? How was the church feeling? The church in Jerusalem at this point is in crisis during this particular Passover. But take note, take note. And this is the first key lesson we don't want to miss in the passage read for us today. The first response in this crisis time is to turn to prayer. The church in Jerusalem resorted to earnest intercessory prayer. When the church faced crisis, the pillars of the church in Jerusalem, James was picked and killed. The leader of Kwata Kwata, the Oga Kwata Kwata in the church, now was also what? Picked. Severe persecution running through the church. And for that weekend, the senior man, the great pillar of the church, was put in prison. Come on, let's talk. Hello? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm on telephone. Uh, Calvary, Sheffold, family. Uh, uh, but we know, uh, yeah, who should we call? Uh, uh, I mean, who in the church has uh, what? Uh, is directly linked to the minister of interior. Uh, well, we have, we have in this church, we have in this church the, what? Uh, the, the son of the former chief justice. Uh, I mean, that, that, he, he should have some links. Let, let's put some telephone through and see what, what we can, uh, we can get. Do we have some MPs here? Do some people work on, uh, uh, you know, in the, in, 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 in Jubilee? 
Huh? What? Jubilee house. So I'm reminded of the writing on the trotro when everything fails, try prayer. Wrong theology. Wrong spiritual understanding. The church in Jerusalem in crisis turn to prayer first. Amen. In whatever so let's capture this critical lesson. In whatever very challenging, very difficult situation, prayer must be our first response rather than our last resort. Hello? Let me repeat that. In whatever challenging situation we have, in whatever crisis, difficulty, trial we encounter, we have the assurance the biblical assurance, yes, of Jesus. No temptation, no trial. That car that you are going through is unusual and uncommon to humankind. God loves you and he will be faithful to you. He will not crush you with the problem. But when you are in a difficult and trying situation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to enjoy it. Can somebody say amen to that? Amen. Do you believe that? So let's Capture this critical lesson. In whatever challenging situation you face, in whatever difficult circumstances that you encounter, yeah, even in your happy and most celebrating moods, prayer must be your first word, response, rather than your last resort. So please, say after me. Prayer must be our first response, rather than our last Resort. Again, prayer must be our first response rather than our last resort. Often, when we are, we are faced with family challenges, you are run over. Your, your, I mean, um, your husband is just kicked out of the deputy managing director position with, with whimsically. What do you do? The first decision is to think about who to call. What contacts do you have? Hallelujah. But our response to prayer first reveals our true knowledge of God. If your God is too small, you will not readily turn to him as the first option. You will not. And so I'm reminded of Psalm 91, verse 1 and 2. The psalmist puts, you know, fuel in his tongue because I I dwell in the secret place of the most high God. He has no classmate. He is creator God. All others are creatures. And he is the El Shaddai, the almighty God. And he is the omniscient, the all-knowing God. He knows the end from the beginning and all the in-betweens. He knows every detail about you. He knows every detail about the Republic of Ghana. He knows every detail about the world he has created. Do you believe that? If that is your God, the God and the Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, my God who is there for me, if that is your God, you are more likely to turn to him as the first resort. How big is your God? Where is your God? Who is your God? What God are you worshipping? What God have you come to this morning? At Calvary Baptist Church. Prayer must be our first response. Rather than our what? Last resort. Indeed, that was the way the early church saw prayer. 
That was the way the early church saw prayer. You see, intercessory prayer, probably intercessory chain prayer was raised on behalf of Peter by the church. But the big question still remains. Will God intervene? Will God intervene? That weekend, the crazy situation the church was in in Jerusalem, remember James was picked and they didn't spare him. They didn't spend time. They killed him. That Peter was picked. Will Peter survive? Will God intervene? Well, is our God in this crisis in whom we trust. Number two, how the Lord intervened in this crisis involving Peter. Now let's look at how the Lord brought Peter out of prison. Acts 12, verse 6 to 11. Verse 6 to 11. Acts 12. Turn with me to Acts chapter 12, verse 6 to 11. Now when Herod was about to bring Peter out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to Peter and a light shone in the cell. The angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself up and put on your sandals. And he did so. And the angel said to him, and he went out and followed him. He did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought that he was seeing a vision. When they had passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them on its own accord. And they went out and went along one street. And immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to his senses, he said, now I am sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish leaders were expecting to happen to me. Amen. Will God intervene? And here we saw how the Lord stepped in. The Passover weekend was getting over. The Passover weekend was ending. And Peter will be asked to come out of prison and arraigned before court and killed thereafter. But the night before that was going to be done, King Agrippa was going to do that also. God sent an angel to the prison. Amen? God sent an angel to the prison. Verse 6, what do we read? When the angel got there, what did he see? Peter was doing what? Peter was doing what? Peter was doing what? Peter was sleeping and he was between what? Two soldiers. The Bible recalls that a team of 16 soldiers, four groups of four different types of soldiers, were put in charge of Peter. This prisoner must not break jail. And they put his feet in the big chains. But what happened? What happened to Peter? But Peter in that crisis, in that situation, was deeply asleep. Oh, may the grace of peace be released into your life. Peace that the world cannot give you, nor take away from you. Happiness depends on circumstances, but joy and peace 
is everlasting when it comes from the throne room of God. Brethren, my brothers and sisters, if I were, if you, if I were in the situation of Peter, in chains like that, with soldiers surrounding me like that, and death is looking me in the face, I will lose sleep. It will be sleepless night. When was the last time you went to any difficulty or crisis and lost sleep? You couldn't, you, you, the psalmist says, I have wetted my bed, my, 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 my bed, my pillow with tears all night. When was the last time all night you wetted your pillow with your tears? No sleep, no rest, no quiet, because your heart was troubled, because you were facing difficulty and suffering, because you were going through crisis, an individual personal crisis, or the crisis of your husband or mother or father or sibling, or, or uh, an institutional crisis, you were going through some crisis. You lost sleep. The church was going to crisis. Peter was going to crisis. But Peter was asleep. He will not be threatened by death. Death has lost its threat and power and tormenting spirit upon him. He knew that absent from the body, present with the Lord. That death could not conquer his Lord and Savior with whom he has walked and done ministry diligently. Death could not conquer him. He rose triumphant over the grave. And when he shall come up also, he will raise up from death all those who belong to him. Peter knew that and believed that and preached that. So Peter went to sleep. Ah! How much do you know your God? How much do I know my God? That no matter what the situation is, I can go to sleep. God is in control. Hallelujah. God is in control. God is telling somebody here, I am in control. He says, even if you dangle and you keep sleepless night, you can't add one more day to your days. You eat the seed of anxiety and you break up your heart and your life is broken and your joy is stolen by the only one who comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. But the alternative is what he has invited us to. That we might have life and be fully functional people. Peter believed that. Peter heard him say that. Peter believed it. Peter is living it. He did not only believe it, but we see Peter living it. Do you believe it? And are you living it? Where is your God? Who is your God? Is he to you the supreme and the sufficient one? The one who, when he closes, there is none to open. And when, they, when, he, when, when he opens, there is none to close. Ultimate power, ultimate authority resides with the living God. Not with man. Not with Agrippa. Not with King Agrippa, no. Not with the president of the land. Hallelujah. Not with the chief justice. Not with the chief pathologist. Ultimate power resides with what? With God Almighty and his son, our savior, Jesus the Christ. Friends, today, God is asking you, do you believe that? That that show in your life, the way you conduct your matter from Monday through Saturday to Sunday, the ways you face situation, you have face situation, even this year, that is winding to a close, the year 2019. 
Does this reflect that you know and know and know your God as the supreme one and as the sufficient one? Peter says, I know. He goes to sleep. Amen? The second point in that text. But Peter was asleep. Another point in that text. Peter was asleep. Oh, Peter was asleep. He knew his God. The fear of death has lost its sting. Its bite upon him. Hallelujah. Next, what did the Bible say? Sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, before the door was guarding the prison. And the angel of the Lord, the next verse, verse 7. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to Peter. And a light shone in the cell. Then what did the angel do? What did the angel do? He struck Peter. Peter was deeply asleep. No, no, I will do this one to this one. Come. Huh? Oh, he's Peter. Oh. I, I, I was aiming at this one. I was aiming at this one. Peter was deeply, so deeply asleep. When the angel entered the prison, Peter wasn't even conscious. So you know what? The angel went there and said, <laughs> Hey, come on. Don't sleep in church now. The angel had to shake him up. And then he told him, Peter, dress up. You know, in prison, they take all your clothes off. They take most of your clothes off. So, Peter, dress up. Now, put on your sandals. Now, next what? Follow me. He had done that. He had responded to that definite invitation of the Lord Jesus of Nazareth on his life. Follow me. And he left his nets in the boat and followed him. This time round, he will listen again and respond to the invitation of Jesus through the angel. Follow me. So he followed the angel. And the God intervening here is the all-knowing God and the all-powerful God. The chains fell off Peter's feet immediately. Then the angel said, my friend, you just follow me here. Hello? And when they left, you know, then they passed the gates. As they passed the gates, the gates gave way. And the final gate was, what the Bible say? The iron gate did what? Open on its own accord. Power past power. Hallelujah. Ah, when all of heaven was backing the angel, when all of heaven was backing Peter in this time of crisis, and he got to the gate, the gate bowed. Hallelujah. Hey. The obstructions in prison, the limitations within prison, the incarcerations, Give way. May God release you. Amen. Jesus said, I have come to release the prisoner. May God give you relief. Amen. In some situations you have been struggling with over the years, even as a believer. This is the day of relief. Amen. This is the day of relief. Amen. This is the day that God wants to release you. Will you follow him? Oh, ah. Then they went to the, uh, after the iron gate, the last gate, they went into the street. 
Listen, what does the Bible say? The gate opened on its own accord. They went and, and went along one street and immediately what? The angel left Peter. He was on his own. There is a general principle, biblical principle here. God's sovereignty and individual personal responsibility. In whatever situation you will face, God will play his part. You must respond to what he is doing. There's individual responsibility also. So now, individual responsibility knocks on the door of Peter. You see how deeply Peter was asleep? So that even when the angel woke him up like that, Peter was, the, the sleep hadn't gone out properly. The sleep hadn't gone out properly. So Peter thought he was even seeing a vision until he was in the street. Then he came to his senses. When he got fully awake now, he said, I'm, on now, I'm now on my own. Hallelujah. Then he noticed, ah, after all, this is Adabraka. This is Calvary Baptist Church. And you see, behind Challenge Bookshop is where my uncle's house was, where I used to come from to church here. So now he could see the roads and he walked to Mary's house where prayer chain was still ongoing. Hallelujah. So when he got to the house, he knocked. And who came to the door? Rhoda. So we now move to the third part of our sermon. Peter gives testimony of his experience of divine intervention to the praying church in the home of Mary. A few points here. Even when Peter knocked on the door and Rhoda came to the gate, Rhoda was able to distinguish the voice of what? Of Peter clearly. In a godly house. In the house of a, a spiritual woman, a spiritual man, properly of Jesus. Even the house helps are not left out. Hallelujah. They are part of the faith community. And here Rhoda knows and knows the voice of the, the senior pastor clearly. The pillar of the church clearly. So Rhoda, who has been part also of the fellowship there in the house, goes back into the back there and says, Mpocho, Mpenifo, uh, we are in Accra. Ofane, Numwe, Peter Yeje, Pira. Odukwa Peter Yeje. You must be crazy here. Rhoda, what's happening to you again this time around? You these girls. What is happening to you? Rhoda insisted. It is what? Peter. So finally they went to what? Bring in Peter. Peter went to greet the unbelieving believers. God have mercy on you and me. Sometimes in our Christian pilgrimage, we behave very much like these people gathered there in Mary's house as unbelieving believers. Something we have been praying over, we have poured all of our hearts, all of our souls, we have held on to this God. This living God, and we say, this is our 
our, la our first stop and our last stop is Jesus of Nazareth. No other alternative. And when Jesus intervenes, we are not there to respond. We are still wondering. The anointed man, senior pastor Fred Degbert, comes to share the unadulterated word of God with you. And you mix the word with faith in your heart. And you see that there is change. Praise the Lord. You see that there is change. You see that there's something is happening to you. But after church, you still go and make line to collect uh, uh, anointed oil and anointed what? Water. Or in the morning, go and line up for anointed cocoa to drink before the day. Kwasia <laughs> Sabakwa. Shame! I'm believing believers. Jail such nonsense. I live for Jesus. Oh, tell, tell, tell her. Uh, if you are doing that, Jail such nonsense. I live for Jesus. This Peter, we are talking about and what we see him and his interaction in the crisis situation, he knows his God. And the question I raised earlier on is, will God intervene? Will God intervene? Here we see God step in. Praise the Lord. Next, Peter gives his testimony. So when he gets into this unbelieving believers, they were going to shout and uh, make all noise. Say, shh. Then he shared his testimony about how, how God miraculously intervened. And that is why he is amongst them. Then he says, share this testimony with Uncle what? James. James was killed. One of the twelve. But what James are we talking about here? Here we are talking about James, the brother of Jesus, who came to faith after Christ was resurrected and was emerging as a key leader in the church in Jerusalem. He says, friends, share that testimony also with our brother James. They overcame by what? Hello? By the blood of the Lamb and by their testimony. He gave the testimony of divine intervention. What has God done in your life this year, 2019? For which you will say, If it had not been the Lord who was on my side, as the psalmist will say, when I went through all kinds of situations, I would have been completely overwhelmed. But thanks be to the living God who has not abandoned me to the teeth of these treacheries and iniquities. The snare has been broken again and again from month to month and I've been set loose. My help from January 
to 24th November 2019 has come from the hands of the living God, the maker of heaven and earth. Is that your story? Is that your story? Is that your story? Jesus wants it to be your story. Is that your story? Is that your story? At this point, brothers and sisters, we must make this very important remark. Verse 2 says the stage for looking at the mystery of God's relationship with each believer. Every one of us here. You have your own syllabus. When you come to God's school of, the, of discipleship, every single person has his own syllabus. Towards the end of the, the gospel of John, Jesus was talking to uh, well, John, and then Peter said, Hey, Master, what about that? He said, my friend, mind your own business. The curriculum I have for you is special to you. Hello? But here is the lesson. The stage is set for looking at the mystery of God's relationship with each one of us as believers. God's sovereign purpose is carried out in the lives of his two equally dedicated servants in the inner circle members with Jesus. James is killed on the one hand and goes out like that. And the church's heart is broken. And the church faces a crisis to add insult to injury. Herod goes to pick again Peter, the number one pillar. But this time around, Jesus says, no. The organ, quarter, 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 that there, who is ultimately over all that he has created, blows the whistle. And in the case of Peter, he intervenes. James is killed by the sword, while Peter is delivered from prison and death. Why James dies and Peter experiences divine intervention is not told us completely in this text, nor in any text in the scriptures. When heaven comes, we shall respond to that. But there are critical issues here. I want, before I go to that critical issue, my response to the question raised there is found in Romans chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 33 and 34. Romans 11, 33 and 34. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his decisions and ways inscrutable. For who knows the mind of God? Who has been his counselor? Amen. 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 It was June 1994. My wife was in coma at the uh, Department of Medicine for a whole week. I cried. I was general director and CEO of Scripture Union. God, won't you intervene in my personal crisis? Would you intervene in this, uh, what, divine, uh, uh, this, 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 this crisis? We were living in Winneba, Advanced Church Training College. My wife was deputy director. We rushed her to, uh, uh, Catholic Hospital. Then a doctor said, I cannot deal with this case any longer. And gave me an ambulance. When we carried my wife into the, what? Into the hospital ambulance, her eyes turned this in, and the white came on. That day, how I drove from Apam to uh, Kolebu teaching 
hospital, only heaven knows. And probably it was not the wisest thing to do. But I drove myself and then got to the hospital. The rest of the week, she was in coma. But me and some prayer friends, Reverend Amitabe, Reverend uh, uh, what? S.Y. Kwame, morning, afternoon, and evening, we'll go and pray. She was not awake, but we'll go and stand beside her bed and pray. Morning, evening, and listen. Saturday, when some of her friends, Professor George Clue's wife, Elizabeth, and Lydia from Legon, said, said Bonyo's wife, came to the hospital and saw her, they ran out of the side ward and wept bitterly on the side ward. It is finished. When the doctors came on evening rounds that day, they saw that the end was coming. They prescribed that the following day they should buy, uh, they should get, they should fix tubes for her. For, for a whole week, she's not been eating. So they should f- uh, put tubes and feed her. Mrs. Margaret Jani, former chief pharmacist at Kolibu, microchemist director, went that Sunday morning knocking on doors. That was 1994. The supplies were not even available. Knocking on pharmacist doors to see whether she could buy the tube prescription that was written. That beautiful Sunday morning, as usual, I got there. And like the previous days, Department of Medicine, Kolibu, when early 5.30 to 6, you arrive there, some people will meet you on their way, coming with what? They are wailing and weeping because theirs are gone. Now, <laughs> you climb the stairs, what? Nearer, my God, to thee. Nearer, to thee. Nearer. And then trembling, you move to the fourth floor and to her bedside. And if she is still breathing, you heave a little sigh. Then your friends join you to pray. That Sunday morning, I went and did the same procedure, the same exercise, trusting the Lord. And then I went to church. I didn't go to church far. I, went to, I didn't come to listen to Fred Degway. <laughs> I went to Accra Chapel on the Kolebu compound. And after church, I went to sit in the doctor's waiting room to read the Bible on the floor, on the fourth, is it that for fourth floor, medical block, Professor Margaret Latte, Professor Matekole, and Professor Eduque Hesse. They were looking after my wife. Then we were just there. I was reading my Bible. Then the nurse just came. The nurse came and ran to me and said, Uncle Jude, Uncle Jude, come and see. Your wife just sat on the, on the bed and said, give me cocoa to drink. I have seen it before. Some of you who have gone with me as a young prayer secretary, University Christian Fellowship. Miracles have happened at Inai, above the Legon Bishop. I have seen it before. Come away for some man wanted to speak nonsense against us and our women. I said, the Lord Jesus strike your lips. And foam was coming out of his mouth. 
He was he was driven in the bus to a what? Uh, what Legon Hospital. When he came down from the top and put my hands on his head, I said, God forgive you, your iniquities. I have seen it. Reverend Bernard Marble, his wife of Maranatha Bible College, his wife is a medical doctor. They told him, come and pack your, your husband away. We can't, there's no problem. There's no what? Solution. The Lord revealed what was happening. And I stepped in, mobilized some prayer. I went and talked to them. We said a whole, a little prayer. That was the end. My turn had come. And God intervened. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Fast forward. 1994. Then now, uh, what? 2000 and what? 15. How many years later? Uh, calculate the number of years. 2000 and what? Uh, 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 21 years. 20, 21 years. 21 years, my wife complained about constipation. And they sent her to the gastrointestinal. You doctors here. You are causing trouble. And you are good also. In Kolebu. And so came. The long and short of it, let me put it uh, quickly. They couldn't diagnose the thing properly. Before I could mobilize groups of people and say, Morocco, Morocco, the thing was bad. Because we didn't know that the thing was cancer. Cancer of uh, what? Uh, the rectum. Uh, cancer of the colon. Just above the rectum. And because it was flushed into it, it was not diagnosed. So it was no constipation. It was something that was blocking the flow of things. Before we could say, Jack, ah, things had gone terribly bad. I went to hospital with her. And they said this time, sign what? Papers. I signed the papers. So, uh, the doctor, I signed the papers. So, we went to the surgery. The anesthetic doctor and anesthetic, they came to see me. Are you, are you Judama? I said, yes, sir. So, I said, sat down there. When they put my wife on the surgical table, before they could touch her body with the scalpel, she was gone. She was gone. She was gone. So, the anesthetist came and said, ah, sir, before the scalpel could even touch her, she was gone. And we have tried to revive her, but what? We couldn't succeed. I said, eh? I looked at her face. He was even older than me. I said, go and try again. The man didn't say anything at all. He just went back. <laughs> but this time around, the whistle had blown. Time is over. My wife was called to glory. But I was strengthened. I was crushed. But spiritually also, I was strengthened. Because I recall 1994 when I would be climbing from the ground floor to the fourth floor of the medical block. Nobody cares for me. Nobody cares for me. My father is... Some of you, that is your song. But Jesus cares for you. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. In 1994, I saw a miracle. In 2015... The whistle was blown. Why? Uh, you know, Peter, James will go and kill. Peter will experience divine intervention. Let me close. There is only one overriding purpose. Verse 24 of Acts 12. The man who thought he was King Agrippa, who thought he was Oga, let me read to you what the Bible says concerning him. 
Now Herod was angry. Verse 20. Acts 12. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon. And they came to him with one accord, having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain. They asked for peace because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a God out of a man. And immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and he died. Earlier in the same chapter, an angel came to the prison and struck Peter and gave him life and gave him release and gave him divine intervention. But the one who will not give glory to God, the one who will boast of his strength and his rulership, the one who will say nonsense against God, the one who will not respect the dignity of the people of God, God said enough is enough and put a stop to his dead wickedness and persecution. The worms ate him up. But what is more important is verse 24. And the word of God increased and multiplied. And the word of God did what? And multiplied. The love of God and the plan of God to redeem the Jews and the Gentiles and people groups of all nations cannot be stopped by Herod or any other person. God will not allow Herod to persecute and crush and stop the ministry of disciple making and discipleship in the church. No. The worms ate him up and the word of God continued. The early church was born in prayer. As I conclude. The early church was born in prayer. Don't go out but tarry in Jerusalem. And they were in prayer for several days. Then the Holy Spirit came upon them. And the early church continued in prayer. Every challenge and situation they faced. Every blessedness they faced. They handed it over to God. And prayed. And thanked God. God has blessed you at Calvary Baptist Church. Return the glory to him. And expect greater things. Even as he faces you. In these days of his grace. May it be well. With Calvary Baptist Church. That through Calvary Baptist Church and the members, many more will be drawn to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen.